You're listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. Join your host, Pascal Fintoni, for what promises to be an exciting and intriguing voyage of discovery filled with advice, stories, and film marketing ideas. Thank you for tuning in. And now, on with today's episode of the Film Marketing Academy podcast. Alien. In space, no one can hear you scream. This film was released in 1979, and believe it or not, Pascal has managed to track down the actual teaser trailer from all those years ago. So let's give it a watch. Wow, Pascal, how many memories did that bring back for you? I still get a good spinpole from the sound design, that, that siren and, and that real space um, kind of almost escape, you know, it, it's just unique. And you say that this was probably the, the best sci-fi movie of all times. I, I agree with you. I go back to it so, so many times. I mean, I love pretty much all the episodes of the franchise, you could argue, even the crossover with the... Um, predators and so on but that one is to me what science fiction is is all about uh, i mean we'll talk in a moment about everything that makes alien work but you're taken to a different space and time literally but the characters are so relatable and they are uh, as ever not to you know what's happening today what was happening back then in the 70s and the 80s but the effort in the design of the nostromo the effort in the design of the creature the music the 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 the, the, the um, universe that they enter it is just unbelievable and all those years later it's near perfection mm, absolutely and i can remember back to 1979 and this film was one of the ones i wanted to see more than <laughs> any but the fact is pascal it was it was the equivalent in 1979 of what an 18 is today at the cinema i think in those days it was called an x an X for the fact you had to be 18. And I wasn't 18. In fact, I'm trying to think I was probably 14 at the time. So I couldn't go to the cinema to see it. I had to wait until it came out 
on VHS. And, and, and I heard people, family, friends who'd been to see it and they were raving about it. Even some of my friends who looked older than me, unfortunately, I, I did definitely look 14. There's no way I could have pretended and snuck <laughs> in. Um, so some of my friends did sneak into the cinema and saw it and they were raving about it and I couldn't go to see it. My first experience with Alien was actually the graphic novel. Uh, my mum and dad bought me the graphic novel and so I was intimately aware of the story. Uh, I even read the uh, Alan Dean Foster book as well. But the graphic novel, the artwork was absolutely incredible um, and obviously took a few liberties with the size of the alien in, in the pictures. And, and it wasn't until it actually came out on VHS that I finally managed to see the actual film itself. For me, it was a very dodgy copy on the VHS cassette. That's my friends of Alien, which meant that Ashley was very hard to see anything. And, and yeah. it took really, actually, the fact that when I bought the director's cut on VHS cassette, to be able to see what was going on, particularly near the end, it was so dark. And, and actually, that's one of the qualities of the film, the way in which Ridley Scott uses the lack of light as well as the presence of light, which I think is, is just makes the movie beautiful to watch as well and some of the extreme extra close-ups and so on and, and then like everybody else when i went through to dvds to blu-rays i have now obviously the um the latest edition and because of the aesthetics because of the effort uh, for me you know a crafting point of view of the sets and the stories and so on it's a movie that you watch more than once clearly and you discover mm. something new every single time because just on the set design i mean when i got the blu-ray edition i could see things for the first time like many others that i'd not seen before it's just it, it continues to be a revelation this movie to me and it's just um, wonderful yeah and i had a similar experience because when i got the vhs hired it from blockbuster or whatever it was like you it was very dark and I was slight, I have to say, I was slightly disappointed that I couldn't see everything because I'd read the graphic novel so many times and the illustrations in the graphic novel of the alien and the and the environment, especially the, the, um, the derelict spacecraft, were so well drawn that when I actually saw this video on VHS and I could hardly see anything, I was genuinely disappointed. I was expecting more. And yeah, you're absolutely right. It wasn't until better quality um, versions of the film came onto VHS and then DVD later that you could actually revel in the astonishing design, both of the sets and, of course, the sound as well. 1979, clearly very, very different times. The world was very, very different. And I've used that as a bit of a hook and a, and a, and a threat through for today's conversation because we could be talking about what they did over the years to keep promoting the brand and the movie. But I want mm -hmm. to imagine what it was like when, for example, my dad opened the newspaper and that was the advert for, for Alien next to Mad Max, next to all the other movies and having to decide whilst I was kind of trying to, you know, almost look over his shoulder thinking I was far too young to, to go. And he was talking to his friends about, do we go to see Mad Max? Do we go and see um, Alien? Now, interestingly, the, the term Alien was kept uh, for the international audience, but they had to also qualify because it has... If you don't speak English, it has no meanings to you in France or in Spain, whatever. So in France, it was Alien, the eighth passenger. So there was this idea of, um, 
you have a seat, a number of passengers, and then there was an eighth one that was um, not welcoming. And you and I have watched the movie so many times, so we know about Dallas, we know about Ripley, clearly Lambert, Brett, Kane, Ash, Parker, and Jones, the cats. You've got, you've got that assemble, the crew of the Nostromo, but then there's the intruder, and what an intruder um, that is. So in 1979, there was almost this uh, ultimate kind of um, marketing pack that they worked on, but which was extracted from the movie. So Neil and I have done some uh, marketing commentaries where we sometimes wonder what on earth happened because clearly people didn't understand what they had. What was, I would go as far as saying it's almost an example of content marketing before people knew what it was because the movie was made and out of the um, execution of the movie, they took out what was needed to market the film. So you had the, almost the ultimate film marketing trifecta of the title and the calligraphy. I think that was very, very important. The quotable strap line that you started with. And of course, that very eerie sound design and kind of oral scape, which is its own form of audio branding. And I used to own the um, Alien CD, just to listen to the music. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, there's one scene in the film that I remember, um, and it's uh, it was the guy who wore the the peak cap. Yep. Was it Lance Lance Erickson or something like that? Um, and he's walking down one of the uh, utility corridors in the Nostromo, and it's actually raining. It's actually yeah. raining in the film in the spaceship, and the sound of the rain, and of course. He gets he gets got by the alien in that particular scene, but the sound again that it created such a frightening atmosphere, and I think that we don't give filmmakers like this enough credit for the sound design as we do for. I mean, let, let's face it the the set the set design and the the monster design in Alien are maybe have never been bettered in the history of cinema. It's just incredible. Uh, but we shouldn't forget the sound design as well and give them equal credit. Now, the, the, the scene, actually, I love it because, again, it's about texture, it's about reflection. So the, the, the actor you're trying to remember was Harry Dean Stanton playing the, the character the one, of, of Brett. And, and of course, just quickly, this is about marketing. We need to move on. We can't become an alien <laughs> review. Um, but, of course, the artist H.R. Geiger, who created really a creature that, um, you're right, has never been equal. So in terms of the um, the marketing, what was interesting is 20th Century Fox were the financiers and distributor, and two years earlier, they had the surprise success of Star Wars, 1977. Mm. Mm. And you can tell that there was an attempt on their part to recapture that moment, that surprise success, but they also learned, obviously, from what they did with Star Wars. So I would argue that it's probably about uh, nine key elements to the to the campaign of 1979. So you had the teaser trailer, which we listened to and watched again. I mean, talk about simplicity, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's iconic, isn't it? And, and maybe we're looking back on it through rose-tinted spectacles to a, to a certain extent. But remember what I said, this was one of the, the films I wanted to see most desperately in advance of anything else. And maybe it was tempered by that fact that I wasn't old enough to go to the cinema to see it, but it was the iconic image of that egg with the with the green glow around it and that strap line in space no one can hear you scream i mean it's so tempting it's so it teases you so much it's almost painful and and that that's sound again and what what is fascinating is that they used an egg i mean a chicken egg really 
And I don't know whether there was some lack of time, lack of resources, but they never went actually to change it to the actual uh, hitch creation by the uh, child <laughs> Geiger with the, the face hugger. They just sticked with the egg, you know, just move yeah. on. Then yeah. later people could watch what we're going to call the extended trailer where there were scenes from the movie, but yeah. no dialogue, just that music from Jerry Goldsmith, just that siren, the sense of peril. Um, I mean, for me, the Nostromo is almost like the, the kind of haunted, haunted castle type themes, you know, and that was very good. So they had that. And what they did in pure content marketing uh, form, they just then made some shorter version. So they had mm. teasers for uh, TV and keeping the atmosphere. They had uh, TV spots, you know, with the, uh, the the title Alien. They even had, obviously, you would expect them, some localized radio and TV spots for different nations. And I've got a bit of a surprise for you, Roger. No. Thanks to the hard work of fans around the interweb, a gentleman called Mark H, and also Screen Rent, somebody managed to dig out the 1979 UK uh, radio spots promoting actually the premiere <laughs> in London. Would you like to have a listen? Oh, we, we, we just have to, Pascal. Get it on. <laughs> Intercepted transmission of unknown origin. Transmission? Out here? SOS. Human. Unknown. Alien. Certificate X. Exclusive engagement at the Odeon Leicester Square. Now. Any systematized transmission indicating a possible intelligent origin must be invested. In space, no one can hear you scream. Twentieth Century Fox presents Alien. Starts today. Odeon Leicester Square. Late night show tonight and every night at 11.45 p.m. Alien. Certificate X. In space, no one can hear you scream. Isn't that delightful? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And it confirms what I said. It was an X certificate, so my memory wasn't cheating me there. But uh, yeah, even just hearing that snippet of music there made the hairs on the back of my neck bristle. <laughs> it's that package. So you you have the teaser, you have the, the longer version, you have then very short version of TV and radio. Then you've got the poster, which is what I saw in the newspaper when my dad was reading it. And again, the simplicity. It feels almost as though it was the, um, what we call a concept artwork. But then someone yeah. said, don't mess with it. It's fine. Let's go. And that's the temptation is it, for marketers to keep tweaking and changing things when actually the first iteration works really well. Yeah, absolutely. And we know how much I love simplicity. It's, it's what I base my entire marketing consultancy on. But this is such an example of how simple can work so powerfully. The other element of the campaign that I wasn't aware of until I did the research was as a PR stunt, as a PR coup, they actually created um, prints in 70 millimeters. So typically people will know 35 is the way in which movies are being projected. But suppose this was the IMAX of the time, Roger. They actually created 91 special premieres inviting, uh, you know, kind of the media as well as people who would be deemed to be influencers using today's parlance. 
and they had premieres. The first one was on the 25th of May 1979, and Star Wars fans will know that two years prior, on the 25th of May, this was the premiere of Star Wars using a similar print of 70 millimeters. But at the time, 20th century folks didn't know they had obviously a success on their hands, so it was just a handful of prints at that size, where this time they went for nearly 100. So I, I don't really know much about actual film. So is a 70 millimeter sort of like the equivalent of 4K for films? That I would be my equivalent. So when, you know, the the posters were out and people were able to see on the on the side or in big letters, 70 millimeters, that's the same yeah. way you and I would react to go, oh, uh, IMAX 3D, let me go yeah. and see the Batman. So that was a, a bit of a marketing ploy, but also a coup to invite um, audiences and people who would review the movie to sit on the big screen with probably also that amazing sound design. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting. I don't think I've ever... I was probably aware of that, Pascal, but I hadn't really quite um, worked it out. So that's the marketing pack, but of course there's more done for the media to talk about the films. Remember that, as a bit of trivia, this was meant to be a B movie as a sci-fi, and if it wasn't for Ridley Scott creating storyboards that got the financiers at 20th Century Fox to get excited to double his budget, that could have been a very low-key affair. Now, I discovered, and this will please you, that Alien premiered in the UK at the Edinburgh Film Festival. Ah, Fascinating. It was uh, literally a week before the premiere at the Audion Leicester Square, where we just heard a moment ago the, the radio. And then there was premieres in France, in Spain, and so on and so forth. But there was also a um, kind of syndicated 23-minute interview with Sigourney Weaver, Ridley Scott, Tom Skerritt, and H.R. Geiger. So bringing, as you can see here, the artist as well as the actors to create uh, a bit of momentum here. As an Edinburgh resident, that's that's great. Obviously, I wasn't an Edinburgh re resident then. I was living in Blackpool at the time, but it worked. The Edinburgh Festival, powerful stuff. It's quite a, you know, a coup. So... All the reasons for the media to talk about the movie, well, you mentioned it a moment ago, are rated in the US, X rated in, in the in, in the United Kingdom, M rated in Australia, so all the letters in the alphabet were being used. And, and again, from a marketing point of view, go, oh, let's be careful not to exclude audiences. But actually, no, you've got to stick to you know the audience you want to attract. And, and Alien, I mean, frankly, so frightening. I, I would hate to think if somebody uh, under the age of uh, 18, maybe 12 or 11, saw it, would have been frightened to death that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, having said that, it's more of a, I mean, apart from the, the infamous scene where the um, alien um, air baby comes out of John Hurt's stomach, which is gra graphic in the extreme, obviously, it isn't as gory as a lot of films these days, which would probably have, um, 15 ratings or even 12A ratings. No, they're very true. I think it's the tension. And, and yeah, at the yeah. very end, when Ripley has to, which is trying to blow up Nostromo, has that failed attempt. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I'm relieving the scenes in my head as I'm talking to you. But all the reasons sometimes for the media to talk about the movie were not, uh, obviously, under the, the control of the producers. So you had the situation where when they had the premiere in, in Hollywood, that uh, famous Grauman's Egyptian theatre, they had an alien set which was burned by vandals because they say that uh, the movie uh, was a work of the devil. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really funny. 
And then let's finish this um, marketing roundup with merchandise. Now, let me re remind you that 20th Century Fox had the surprise success of Star Wars. Mm. But very cleverly, as we know, this is stuff of legend. George Lucas was the one to keep the rightful merchandise. So they say, let's not make the same mistake again. Let's go ahead and produce merchandise for the Alien movie. So there was the aforementioned uh, novelization you mentioned from Alan Dean Foster. There was both an adult and a kind of kid-friendly uh, version. One that I would love to get my hands on, this would probably cost so much money, the um, Heavy Metal magazine published a graphic novel adaptation, but also uh, almost like a behind-the-scene a story and an alien calendar. The one that um, surprised me a lot, bear in mind that this is an R-rated or X-rated um, movie, there was also official Halloween costumes, and you could also, through Kenner, who got the rights to do the Star Wars um, kind of merchandise, there was also some alien-inspired toys for children. Uh, th that just boggles the mind on this one. Absolutely. And yeah, I'm sitting here now thinking, I, I had that heavy metal graphic novel. That was Did the you? thing that... That was it. That was what I was reading before the video came out, before I could actually see the film. I, I read that graphic novel so many times, and I'm now sitting here thinking, is it in a box somewhere? It probably <laughs> isn't. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it's, it's, uh, it's long gone, but you never know. I might have to go and have a bit of a rummage in the cupboards this weekend. <laughs> So thinking about Alien 1979, you and I would agree that this is the go-to movie if you want, if you want to understand uh, storytelling, if you want to understand set design, characterization, and everything. I didn't expect that would also get some important marketing lesson because, let's be frank, it's a long time ago and things have really changed, but we've got that perfect marketing pack. You've got this idea of stay in your lane and you will compete against the likes of Moonraker, Star Trek was out, that year, Mad Max, Apocalypse Now. And also, yeah, learn from the past. So 20th Century Fox did try to recapture the surprise success of Star Wars, maybe went a bit too far with merchandise, but we can forgive it. But for me, the, the number one kind of lesson is this idea of creating a sense of event for the, the media as well as for the, the, the moviegoers with that 70mm print, um, which they went to scale. So, um, yeah, it's been absolutely delight to go back through this movie with you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and simplicity as well, Pascal. We come back to that, you know, and the hook in space, no one can hear you scream. Didn't it sound menacing when that guy said it in the, in the um, radio adverts that we just listened to there? Uh, I'm sure the guy who did the voice for that also did those 80s nuclear war um, things uh, in the Frankie Goes to Hollywood video. You know, if you hear the air attack warning, you and your family must take cover. It sounds like him. Such a menacing voice. But when he says that phrase, in space no one can hear you scream, again, as I say, the hairs bristle on the back of your neck. Fantastic choice, Pascal. Thanks for bringing Alien back to the table. No problem at all. Pleasure. You know, of course, I usually end up watching the films that we talk about on Two Geeks in a Marketing Podcast the night before, but actually Alien isn't anywhere that I could find on the interwebs apart from some obscure um, wow. platform that I, I'm, I'm not actually a member of. And I don't actually have, I'm pretty sure I don't actually have a DVD or Blu-ray copy anywhere. I think we've got Aliens and, beyond, and further on, but not the original. So that will have to be remedied very, very 
very soon. Everyone, thank you so much for watching or listening to Two Geeks and a Marketing Podcast. It's always a pleasure to share our experiences with you. Please let us know what you think of the show in the comments. Look us up on Twitter. Ask us questions. Don't forget what Pascal said earlier about SpeakPipe. You can now ask us questions and leave us questions on the Two Geeks website. Until the next episode, please do go out there and make sure that your marketing is done right. I was Roger Edwards and he was Pascal Fintoni. Thank you for listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. For more information about our film marketing consultancy and training services, go to filmmarketingacademy.com and book your free discovery video call. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and follow your host on social media for more updates.